today I want to begin this series uh, not with uh, those current events and things that are going on. Uh, they are leading up to what we are going to do. But today I want to talk to you about the end and ask the question in this first series uh, today, is heaven real? Is heaven real? Because there is a lot of things that are uncertain in our life, but eternity is certain. There's no doubt about eternity. Some we will live forever somewhere. Amen. And that somewhere is left up to us. And when we talk about the end times, the first thing that comes to mind is the book of Revelation. And when you read it, it's easy to get caught up in all the images and the shadows and the types and the grasshoppers and the scorpions. And some say that that refers to the Black Hawk, uh, Black Hawk helicopters and uh, the stingers are and their tails are cruise missiles. I don't know what all that means. I don't. And I'm not sure that anybody else does either. But what I do know is that there is things that are lying ahead for us. And that's what I want to talk about is what I do know. And what I do know is, is that Jesus has made a way for us. That in this time that we are living, we don't have to be gripped with fear and anxiety and trouble. But we can have our hope based completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Right? Did you get that? We're not to sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will be in no means preceded those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Father, I pray today that you bless our time together. and You will seal in our hearts a peace knowing that we are yours. And if we are yours, then you have a shield. You have a protection around about us that no wilds of the enemy can penetrate. And so I think, pray in these next few moments that you will speak to our heart and just reaffirm, God, our commitment and our assurance that you are on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. There are a series of events that are leading up to the return of the Lord, and we will deal with that at a later time. But I think that in this first series message this morning, it's important for us to just establish that 
eternity is for real. Eternity is a reality. It's also important to distinguish the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ or the second coming of the Lord. Many people quote, whenever you talk to them about the rapture of the church, they quote Matthew 24 or a portion of it that says that no man knows the time nor the season, not even uh, Jesus, only the Father. But it is not talking about the rapture of the church. That is referring to the second coming. And, but whenever he talks to the church about the rapture, he tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, right? Brethren being Christians, right? Concerning that, brethren, you have no need, but I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. And so he is telling us that for the world, they do not understand or know the times or the seasons. But for the believer, we understand this thing, the rapture of the church is not going to take us unaware. It is not going to take us by, oh, we weren't ready for this. Huh? But it is going to come and we are going to know that it's coming. Come on, somebody. Amen. When Jesus comes for his church, the rapture, it will be before the tribulation. He will come together, both the living and the dead saints, and we will be caught up together in the clouds to be with the Lord in the air. Whenever he comes back, the second coming at the end of the tribulation, the Bible says that he is going to come with power and with glory to bind Satan and defeat the wicked nations of the earth and the Antichrist and the false prophets and the saints will all will return with him. And so we will already be there, right? And we will come back with him to have victory. And even though it is hard to think about the coming, uh, uh, coming back of those who have not accepted the Savior, not accepted God, those who have not accepted him as Lord of their lives, then we look at that and we see that people that have not accepted him will go through the tribulation. The tribulation begins right after the rapture of the church. If you think it's bad now, amen. If you think it's bad now, wait till all the people that pray are gone. Wait to all the people that are interceding on behalf of the lost and interceding on behalf of our nations are, are taken away from this place and then the judgment of God is going to come. 
someone is going to pay the price for all of the murders and the abortions that have taken place in our nation. There is going to come judgment upon the, 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 the earth and it's going to come without anything holding it back because any time that you see that God puts judgment and wrath is poured out, he always goes through his people first. There is an opportunity to repent and to turn from their wicked ways. But the church is going to be gone. And so the wrath and the judgment of God is going to be poured out without any reservation or holding back. And so when we, uh, we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, we will spend eternity somewhere. Where will we spend eternity? And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I believe that on the time clock of God, that that, uh, somebody asked me early this morning, how long do you think we have? I, I can only tell you this, that I believe there is nothing left on the time clock. That at any time, the Lord could descend from heaven with a shout. And that he could return and remove his church from the earth. And we could see the tribulation begin. Revelation chapter 21, he said, I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth was passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven as prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and there be their God and God will wipe away the tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things have passed away and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the alpha and omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is... uh, that a thirst and the foundations of the water of life freely and that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelievable, unbelieving and the abominable and the murder and the whoremongers and scorners and adulterers and liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Recent polls suggested that nearly 80% of Americans believe there is a place called heaven. I find that statistic encouraging because it tells me that even in this skeptical age, that there is something deep inside of the heart of us that cries out. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 said everything is appropriate in its own time. But though God has planted eternity in the hearts of men, even so many cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. From the beginning of time, people wondered about the next life. Is there life after death? Is there uh, is there a life after we leave this earth, after we die? 
There's got to be something more. Can we agree? There's got to be something more than pain, suffering, and then death. There's got to be more than just something of 70 or 80 years on this planet earth. There's got to be something more than just living and then dying. And I believe that we can look into the scripture and see that it is true that this is only a dressing room for what is prepared for us. Amen. This life is meant to prepare us for the life after. In other words, while we are here on earth, we are preparing for where we will spend eternity. The Bible is very clear about this. He said there are two places. There is a place called hell. It is a place of torment. It is a place of darkness. It is a place of pain, suffering. It is a place that has been prepared for the devil and demonic spirits. This place is where we we would uh, never want to die and go to. Because when we go there, we will never die again. You would wish you could die, but you will never be able to die. You will spend eternity in constant, uh, indescribable fear and suffering and pain. But I won't, don't want to talk about that today. But what I do want to talk about is this place called heaven. Because Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, tells us that God has put an eternity in our hearts. We were created to think about eternity. We were created for eternity. The scripture also tells us that we're not going to know all the answers here. It suggests that when we, even when we get to heaven, we will still be learning. We will still come to an understanding. And the number one question that unchurched people have and want to know is heaven is will it be boring? Will heaven be boring? That's the number one question that unchurched people want to know. Heaven is, the reason that that people ask that is because of their religious experience. They have been bored by religion. And they think that heaven is just going to be this boring place where that we uh, go to and we sit around this throne and and somebody teaches us uh, all the time. But the Bible is not taught uh, when it talks about heaven. Heaven is a glorious place. I don't have words to describe it or the time to tell you about it, but heaven is a place that has been created for life. It has been created for us to spend eternity with God. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who believe. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also in our text this morning John said I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away there is no more sea and I John saw a holy city a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven as a prepared a bride for her husband John described doesn't uh, describe heaven as a funeral 
He does not describe it as being boring, but he describes it and he uses a wedding for an example. The wedding is an exciting time. The wedding is expectation. You're waiting for, you know, they do the bribe, the music, they, they, all the ugly boys come and stand in a row. And then they wait for the door to open in the back and that expectation of the, the ladies as they begin to march in and then suddenly the music shifts and, and the, everybody stands at attention with expectation to see the beautiful bride come in. Anybody ever been to a wedding here? Amen. I've never seen an ugly bride. I've seen some ugly grooms, but I've never seen an ugly bride. Come on. Amen. And it's, it's exciting with this expectation. And now the music. I want to submit to you today that when the wedding is exciting and heaven is going to be exciting, it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be mundane. There's going to be music. There's going to be singing. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be rejoicing. It's going to be one celebration after another. The Jewish culture, marriage is uh, 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 something that is what what is a a super banquet it is a banquet party like none other no expenses spared all everything is the very best boring not at all but you see far from it everything we do and here on earth is practice and preparation for what we are going to do in heaven this service this morning was a practice service for how we will worship the king of glory in heaven. Because when you get there, your praise is going to be a perfected praise. Your praise will be like none other, but we need to prepare for that. And so we have practice services so we will know that when we are absent from this body, we will be present with the Lord, how we will respond and worship him when we get there. Amen. Don't allow your previous experience of religion, uh, your religious experience to hinder you from the expectation of everything that God has prepared for you. Amen. You see, we are transient. We are, we are not staying here. We are temporary. This is not our home. We're just here temporarily. This is not a permanent thing. Wherever you are right now, you're not there permanently. You're just temporarily going through it. Now, I'm not talking about just geographical, but I'm talking about your financial situation is temporary. Your physical condition is temporary. Wherever you are right now, emotionally and spiritually, is temporary because we're transit. We're leaving here here. We are not staying where we are. We're moving from where we are to what God has for us. Amen. What I'm trying to tell you is don't allow yourself to get trapped into thinking that this is the way it's always going to be because faith tells us that we're moving from level to level. We are going from glory to glory. And so there is a promise that is ahead for the believer that we will not stay where we are. A matter of fact, just touch your neighbor today and tell them we're just passing through. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. Let me just jump back upon this vein of heaven. Just as there is a God vacuum, there is a heaven vacuum. In our hearts, no matter uh, the place that we are in earth, our hearts, in our hearts, we long for heaven. This world is not our home. We are in the world, but not part of the world. We are not planted, rooted here, but we are just going through temporarily, through this transit. We are going through this place. And don't become like Lot's wife and fall in love with the world and the world system and turn your heart back. And when you turn your heart back, you lose what God has ahead for you. I'm not looking back. I'm like Abraham. I'm looking forward because I know that there is a city whose builder and maker is God. I know there's something yet ahead of me that God has prepared for me. Amen. And so we're not homesick for the world. We're not homesick for the things and the old ways. We are homesick for the presence of God. I'm talking about the life of Christ who is living on the inside of us causes us to desire that new thing, that which is ahead. This whole thing about looking toward and thinking about heaven was reaffirmed by Jesus when he tells us, remember what Jesus said in John 14, whenever he tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There is a spiritual draw, because deep is calling to the deep. The deep of God is calling to the deepness in your spirit, not in your mind, not in your your physical, but in your spirit there is a magnetic force drawing us heavenwardly it would be good for us to study the traditions of the customs of Jewish weddings because there is this word that always messed me up whenever I first started doing weddings And so I took it out. (laughs) The betrothal. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, if you study out the Jewish culture, you'll find out what it means. Because it means it's the agreement that two people will be married in the future. A young man would, would prepare a marriage contract, a covenant, which he presented and gave it to the intended bride and her father. It included in this the bride's price, which was an appropriate in that society to compensate the young bride's parents for raising her, the cost of raising her. And in, on all the expenses, the, the, the man would say, I'm so in love with her that I want to give this to compensate you for doing such a great job in raising her. Now I want you to see the typology in this tradition. Jesus said, I go to the father and I say, I want to purchase the bride. 
I want to pay the price and I'm willing to give my life for her. Amen. The father then would have to accept the price. Amen. Acceptance. He would pour the cup of wine for the beloved and what what and wait to see if she would drink it this cup represents the blood covenant if you if she drank the cup it would be an acceptance that he would be married to her Jesus comes and offers his unconditional love and he said if we accept him amen and take his blood that we will be in covenant with him and that at that moment our sins are washed away and we become his glory to God that young man would give a gift to his beloved and he would take a leave and he would go and the young woman would have to wait on him to return but before Uh, leaving her he would announce and, and say I'm going to prepare a place for you I will return when it is ready he would return when his father's house and he would build a honeymoon suite on the house and when he was not allowed to skimp on it he was not allowed to to say well I'm just going to throw this thing together it had to be perfect it had to be the best and now his father would have to inspect and make sure that everything was right. And whenever everything was right at the agreement of the father, now the son would be able to be released to go get his bride. And I want to tell you today that when the chamber, the wedding chamber was ready, the bridegroom would come for his bride. And I'm saying to you today, we are waiting for the father to tell the son, it's everything is ready. It looks good. It's all prepared and when he does the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the bark voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to be with him in the clouds of glory and we're going to our father's house hallelujah come on and give him praise if you're excited about it There's got to be a hunger inside of us. (laughs) There ought to be something pulling on us that says heaven sounding sweeter all the time. I hope this time and this message sparks something in our heart to reignite us, to remind us that we are not just merely being dragged through this life, but there is something waiting ahead for us. Amen. Now, here's what I need for us to understand that heaven is not going to be boring. Those doors opened up just like the doors opened up when John, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and old earth had passed away. And he said, and he referred to it as a bride adorned for her husband. The doors open and he said, I see this holy city that is coming down. God said, I will be their God and they shall be my son and daughter. And I will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more sorrow and no more death or dying and no pain. And behold, I make all things new. 
there it is. All things are new. Amen. For all those who have put up with the nonsense of this world, those who have gone through the temptations of life and the heartaches and, and said, no, I will be faithful to God. For all of those who have said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For all of those who have been through the test and the trials and the heartaches and of your heart has been broken and it's hard for you to put one foot in front of the other I've got good news for you there is a promise waiting on you it is called heaven and all things will be made new no more sickness no more pain no more heartbreak no more misery there'll be nothing praise God but God said I'm gonna wipe the tears from your eyes and you'll not have any more heartache you'll not be broken any longer but we will spend eternity forever and ever with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus will be there. The saints of God that have gone on before us will be there. Your family will be there. Your friends will be there. Praise God. And in that place, we will have perfect peace, perfect joy. There'll be no locks on the door. There'll be no fear or anxiety. There'll be no doctors needed for sickness nor pain because there we will spend eternity in the garden of his goodness and his grace and his love will surround us like a sea. Is anybody ready for that? God has everything ready. Everything ready. God has everything ready. The question is, are we ready? Let's, let's answer this not from what we think, but what the Bible says. Because this is my concern. There's no doubt that there is, a, there is eternity. There's no doubt in my mind there is a heaven. My, my concern is, is people think they're ready. But they're not. Are you ready? Many believe they are based upon the flawed notion that suggests this. If you believe in God then that means you're born again. Do you believe in God? James 2 and 19 said that you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe and shudder. It's not good enough to believe in your mind because the devil does that. There is no difference between the devil and... And most people. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't take no joy in having to do a funeral of somebody that is lost. But I couldn't tell you the last time that I did a funeral that somebody thought they weren't saved. quiet but of those 80% of Americans that, that many of them say we're Christians and yet our churches lie empty many say we're believers good you believe but it's not enough to believe because the devil does that 
James 2 and 19 indicates that demons believe in God. Matthew 8 and 29 quotes the demons accurately in referring to Jesus as the Son of God. And yet it's evident that from the scriptures that we look at, the devil and those who serve him are very aware that they are defeated. Right? And they are also aware that Jesus has arose from the grave. But based upon what we look at and knowing what the devil uh, believes, is the devil going to heaven? Is it possible to believe in God and still not go to heaven? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, take a look at Proverbs 4 and 23. All uh, Above all these, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's significant that Scripture refers to the heart as what constitutes the source of who you are rather than your mind. Some people say that if you can change a person's mind, you can change who they are. But who someone is as a person is determined more than the the mere facts of what they think. Two people can can be confronted with the same exact scenario and, and be presented with the exact same set of information and yet it, it, the difference between what both of them think is determined by you know, what you think. But when you believe something is true in your mind, it will change the way you think. But when you believe something in, is true in your heart, it will change the way you act. It's not just good enough to think in your head. You have to believe in your heart. With this in mind, take a look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. That is you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and believe in your heart. Not in your mind, but in your heart. That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with the mouth that you confess that you are saved. If you claim to be a Christian in terms of his life, death, and resurrection being a historical reality, that's a step in the right direction, but it falls short of describing who that we are to be in Romans chapter 10. That refers that the heart has a place where we believe. And from that belief system of our heart begins to originate how we act and who we really are. Amen. You see, you, whoever, uh, this Romans 9, 8 says, whoever are not of the realm of the flesh, but are of the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. The spiritual proof of believer is the fact that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. This comes about as a result of believing in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead and that he is Lord. Ephesians 2 said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. 
But in verse number four, it said, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it was by grace have you been saved. And with that new pause comes the reality that we are created to serve him. Amen. When you have been made alive spiritually in Christ is living inside of you, everything becomes different. You're, you're not acting the same way that you did before. You, you approach things in a different manner because of your perspective. I see things differently. The truth of the gospel of salvation is having believed you were marked with him with the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, creation. Old things are gone and new things have come. That's the difference between sitting in a sanctuary and walking in grace. That's the difference between salvation opposed to information. You were not saved now because you, you got information. You were saved because you believed in your heart the information in which you received. Amen. Does the spirit of Christ live in you? He tells us if you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. And if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. There are many who go through life believing because they think that Jesus is real. Because they think in their mind but mind is not something that you can take and say, I'm a Christian because the devil knows that Jesus is Lord. The devil knows he died, he was buried, and he rose again. The devil knows heaven is real because he got kicked out. So it doesn't take rocket scientists for us to figure that out. What we have to do is take it a step further and say, what I have heard, I believe. And so now because my heart believes that, I act upon what I believe. And when I act upon what I believe, then I am prepared for everything that God has in store for me. Amen. And I'm not trying to get to heaven because I have activated what I have heard in my heart. I am as sure for heaven as if I were already there. Amen. I don't intend on it. But before I get done preaching this message today, if life would leave my body and this carcass hit the ground, I'm already sure for heaven and nobody can do nothing about it. You can hate on me, but I'm going. <laughs> you can say it isn't true, but I'm going. Why? Not because of what I thought, but because of what I took that information and I applied it to what my belief system is. And my belief system is that I am now saved. 
and the blood of Jesus Christ has covered me from all of my sin. And he took my sin away and he cast it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against me any longer. Amen. And because of that fact, I believe it and I act upon it every day of my life. Amen. And so I'm going somewhere. Heaven is ready for me. And I'm ready for heaven.